This program is sponsored by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Students and faculty aren't just ready for change at the Scripps College, they're hungry for it. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with Dr. Kenneth Johnson, Executive Dean of the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. He's also the Chief Medical Affairs Officer for Ohio University. We also chat with Dr. Jody Jerome, the new Associate Dean of Curriculum for that college. The topic is a new cutting-edge medical education curriculum being rolled out and implemented by Ohio University this August. It could very well be the model that revolutionizes medical education across the country. Let me start with you, Dean Johnson. This new curriculum, it's got a title, Pathways to Health and Wellness Curriculum. You sort of had a mandate to look at curriculum back in about 2011. Is that that correct? Yeah, we got the uh, uh, Osteopathic Heritage Foundation uh, gift, the Vision 2020 grant, $105 million on one of the largest gifts on ever uh, to support primary care medical education. And as part of that, we made a commitment to revise our curriculum on and to have it be really very forward-facing. At the time, the byline was that we would transform osteopathic medical education and in turn primary care on delivery. On, and so we started the work on, on my end shortly after I got here in 2012. So that's a major mandate uh, to be transformative in, in medical education and medical care. How did you go about, as a brand-new dean, brand-new school, uh, starting that process? I commissioned a group to take a look at this, and actually I asked them to do three things. I said, one, I wanted them to look at contemporary medical education. What are the things that are going on around the country that we want to know about? The second thing was I asked them to take a look at care delivery, what's happening right now in healthcare. Medical education often lags behind on you know, care delivery. So I was hoping we could get a curriculum that was at least contemporary with what was happening with uh, with um, care delivery, but actually maybe even forward-facing. Where are things going? And the last thing, we tend to sometimes in medical education be a little too focused on just medical education. So I asked the group to take a look at adult learning across all different disciplines on what was the best that we could learn from what was out there. On. And th- so the way I did it was I commissioned a group. I called them our curricular transformation team. On, and they started the work of looking at those three things. I assume that when you say they started the work, they went out and looked at best practices, other places, what was working, what wasn't, uh, and then how you might be able to advance that or, or tweak that. Yeah, exactly. So I, I actually asked them to do a couple different things. I asked them to go visit different medical schools around the country or other places that were doing education that we thought we should learn from. 
Then I also asked them to bring people to campus, whether they were in medical education or care delivery, just to talk about the interesting things that were going on. And I also asked them to take a look at the literature. What's out there that we should, we should learn from? Well, let's get into what this transformation is, and then I want to go back and talk about some of its background and some of its uh, deliverables. What exactly is different about what you're going to launch here in August? I absolutely love the title of this curriculum, The Pathways That's to Health and Wellness. That's why I mentioned it. Yeah. It's unique. Yeah, so there's, there's actually three plays on, on this. So on osteopathic medical education, osteopathic medicine started in the late 1800s. And on A.T. Still, he was a frontier on surgeon, on son of a minister, and he said that the object of the physician is to discover health because anybody can discover disease. And he was way, way ahead of his time. He said that, you know, we were people, our health was driven by a body, mind, and spirit approach. He used slightly different words, but uh, he was a very uh, revolutionary thinker uh, at the time. There wasn't much available uh, in, in, in frontier medicine to help people. Uh, so as we started looking at it and taking the osteopathic principles as the basis on, of it, uh, we believe that the best way to care for people is to bring them back to health, not to focus on their disease or what's wrong, but how can we help them with, with what's right, uh, not only bring them back to health, but prevent disease in the, in the first place. So that's play one on it is, is, is the focus on health and wellness and care delivery. The second is on for the students. We know that medical, edu medical education is very, very stressful. Uh, medical students uh, typically have a higher level of resilience before entering medicine, uh, and then their level of resilience goes down. Uh, we, we did a very large study, 10,000 students across the country looking at this, and we found that medical students had a higher level of uh, depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation than the general public, and that beforehand they typically have a much lower on level of that. And if you look at physicians, on annually right now about 400 physicians commit suicide. That's equal to about a medical school. So every wow. year a medical school's worth of physicians wow. commit suicide. So the second play on this was the health and wellness for our students, that they have to be healthy and well to be able to provide that kind of, that kind of care. And Jody can talk a little bit more about how we've integrated. It's not a co-curricular activity. It's integrated into the curriculum. And then the third is for faculty uh, as well, that health and wellness uh, for, for faculty. Uh, and so I, part of the reason I love the title is that it really, it's our approach to how we want to care for patients. It's our approach for how we want to care for each other, our students and our, and our faculty. And we believe that by taking that approach, that we'll be much more successful on, in promoting on health and wellness and this focus on health and wellness as opposed to the focus on, on disease. Dr. Jerome, you've had a major task laid out <laughs> in front of you, and, and obviously you, you've uh, uh, come to the plate and done very well with this, but can you get us down into the nitty-gritty? And, and let me put this in context. Anybody out there who's been to professional school of any kind uh, know that in the past it's been fairly a combination of large lectures 
and seminars with some clinical work with one exam at the end of the year or sometimes at the end of the semester. Uh, you've turned that on its head. Sure, yeah, you know, when we looked at this project as a whole and taking um, opinions of both what we've done at our college in the past as what we've seen in other medical schools, we really wanted to make an emphasis on the student in a learning environment that was more like what delivery of patient care would be. And we made a commitment at the beginning of the project that we wanted our students to be in interprofessional learning environments, working in, with interdisciplinary approaches to learning and as teams, rather than as students sitting in a lecture hall. So we made a commitment that we would pr deliver no auditorium-style lectures in our new curriculum. Instead, we would prepare our students to come in the classroom to work as teams together, to solve problems, and from the view of a, a patient or a patient-focused approach, which so, is a big change from what you see in traditional medical education. So the, the teams, I assume they will rotate so that – people get a chance to work with all kinds of other people? Sure, yeah. So what it looks like right now is, so our medical, medical school training is traditionally four years, right. and the students spend two years in a traditional campus format before they tend to do more clinical-style education. Our students in the first two years will be a, or take four courses total, so each semester is a course, and they will be assigned to a group of six to eight individuals to work with on their team for that semester-long course. And they'll integrate in different learning environments, so like, like traditional anatomy lab experiences, but also small group experiences where not only they share scientific and clinical information, but also personal and professional experiences they have associated with that to help shape them not as a, someone with just knowledge, but also with the skill sets that can help support patient care and their own personal wellness. So let's, let's walk somebody through this. Yeah. There will be lecture material there obviously has to be there has to be material that you learn from both visually as well as uh, auditorily uh, how is that presented to the student they can do that at their own pace their own time as yeah. many times as they want so, how, how does that work absolutely so for every learning activity that's scheduled for the student they're provided with pre-learning material to help uh, bolster their education. So we know that there's more than you can learn. It, th there's more knowledge out there to be gained or that can be memorized or learned by any individual person at this time. Medicine has, there's just too much information. So what our faculty are doing is helping to select pre-learning material that is related to the activity that will happen in the classroom and assigning it beforehand. So the students will be given reading materials to review, pre-recorded content in smaller snippets of time, five to 10 minutes of presentation, maybe some video visual things. And it's really up to the instructor of, the, of that activity to help design that learning activity that occurs outside of the classroom. And then the goal is that when the student comes into the classroom that they can apply the knowledge that they gained on their own in their self-studies. As a student progresses through the curriculum, we're gonna provide less support for pre-learning, more bare bones so that they can build their own self-learning techniques and strategies. Because when you go into practice, medicine is always changing, so you have to be able to learn on, on the go and as you move throughout your career. And at some point, uh, check me if I'm yeah. wrong, but at some point, 
adults sort of switch over and start uh, being learned by doers Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to what we perceive college undergraduates are, which are receivers of of knowledge. There's a real difference there. Yeah, and I think like the way that I like to think about it is removing from a knowledge acquisition, so okay. someone gives you okay. knowledge, right. to a knowledge application phase. And that's what adults do in their jobs every day. And, I, and I, when I interact personally with medical students, they'll be like, well, how do you know that's true? I'm like, well, I learned things, and now I can apply them. So I don't have to go back and learn the science that's behind this because that's something that's like cemented in my memory to an extent or that I know that I can work forward from. So what we need these students to do is take information that they've learned to be able to synthesize and apply it later. Most patient interactions that you have are similar to ones you've had before, and then you re- rely on that baseline knowledge when you move through. But so, you're a, you're an OBGYN, I am. and I'm sure that in your practice, you come across new things or different things or variations of things. But you have to have adapted the ability to learn, to research, to right. uh, consult, to, to use all of the tools that you have to be able to give that patient care. Correct. And that's what you're ingraining now from day one. Right, right. We want to start early with that phase because we know that having students memorize um, biochemistry formulas, or we always talk about the Krebs cycle, which is a rudimentary biochemical cycle that all students have memorized at some point in their life. And I'll be honest, I don't remember it, but I know what well, I know how to apply the information from it. And that's what we want our students to do. And that's what we're going to um, assess and test our students on as well, is the ability to apply the information necessary to get the desired outcome with your patient and care. Dr. Johnson, I interrupted you. Oh, no, I was I almost interrupted you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I wanted to put this into, um, you know, kind of like practical examples. Sure, please. So currently today, there are about 10,000 drugs on the market, 10,000. And so typically, to be able to prescribe a medication appropriately, you have to know the dose, the frequency, the mechanism of action, when to give, what the uh, contraindications are, typical side effects, drug interactions. So those are like the, say, seven or eight typical things you need to know about each medication. So now we're talking about like 80,000 pieces (laughs) of information. Uh, If you take a typical uh, elder patient in the hospital, they will be on at least 12 medications. And you might even have some that are on 24 medications. I, w- I was going to guess about 10, <laughs> so I was close. So, so if, you, if, you, if, you put it, if you put that into that perspective, there's no way anybody is going to remember 80,000 pieces of information. Um, when I was in my internship, as another example, I had a patient, a, a pediatric patient come in who had on prolonged seizures, on, and we thought it might have been the result of they got scratched by a cat and it was, you know cat scratch fever. Our question was, can cat scratch fever cause prolonged seizures? So what I had to do at that time was I had to go to the library, pull out what was called Index Medicus, which is this huge volume of just all the on publications, look for an article that looked like it matched go to the article. If it didn't match, go to the references. So literally an hour later, I found an article that said, yes, this can happen. Right now, you could pull out your iPhone and speak into Siri and say, hey, Siri, uh, 
does cat scratch disease cause seizures and get an answer you know in, in 30 seconds so our thinking about this is that it is impossible for any anybody to memorize that volume of information so we have to give them kind of the the basic structure of how to learn what to learn the resources to do it and then the real focus is on the application at that it's the acquisition synthesis and then application of the information so in in short how to think like a doctor yes <laughs> how to analyze it right. as a doctor yes and then how to go forward with a, a protocol exactly. a, as a doctor mm -hmm. to address all of those right. things right right yeah we and we, all yeah. of those things change yes but you need to have incorporated in your DNA the the process that's that right. you go through to arrive at, at the end goal. That's right. There's no patient that walks into a doctor's office with a PowerPoint about what's wrong with them. <laughs> and, and if they did, you'd wonder. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So we start off, and we've got all of these pre- class, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to still use that word, materials that a student goes through. And then as I looked at the curriculum, it looked like there were, uh, in a 16-week semester, there were 16 different case studies. Mm -hmm. uh, now, are those pre-designed case studies that will trigger certain things sure, that yeah. are learning moments that are necessary for yeah. what the potential doctor needs to learn. Absolutely. So the design of the curriculum is while we talked at the more granular level of an individual learning activity, every about week unit or su like subunit is in a framework of a patient presentation. So the students are introduced to the concepts through the eyes of what a patient may present to them in an office setting or in a clinical environment. So the, and they're very, they're interwoven throughout, the patient's cases are interwoven with the learning activities. So we have tried not to focus just on like traditional things as medical, but the patient's social history, um, where they, um, their support, their support system. systems. Yeah, it's heavily integrated into the whole picture of what a patient's life might be, rather than just focused on the disease at hand, per se. So especially in the first course, which focuses more on what a well patient should be like or examining for wellness in a patient setting, the cases or those unit or those subunit long presentations are a patient presenting for a well physical or a mother bringing her child in for a well baby visit. Um, what a well geriatric patient might look like. And then there's pieces of their history or of their family's history, depending on the case, which will lend to different discussions about the patient. They're hidden triggers. They are hidden triggers. In, in, in these. And uh, all of these designed, I assume, to build on each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that at the end of the semester, there's a collective body of knowledge Absolutely. As a, as a result of all of these. Now, one of the things that I found fascinating by this whole concept is your concern, both of you and, and your school's concerned, with the student's well-being. Um, 
having gone through, I didn't go through medical school, but having gone through three years of law school, nobody gave a damn about my well-being. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's. So this is a new concept. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 And Dr. Johnson, Dean Johnson, talked about the suicide rate and the, the, the depression, and talk about how you're incorporating this and and what that will do for the physician long term, not just in school. So we're focusing. So you, it, it's interesting. I would say the same thing as when I was a medical student, which was not that long ago. But the focus wasn't so much on the student and their well being at all. It was I mean, endurance. Yeah, it, was, it totally can you was. Run this marathon. Yeah, exactly. and it was a prize at the end. I mean, and I think that we really focused on the students who had a lot of grit made it through. But we, I think the students that are applying to medical school now are different than students were in the past. Oh, I, people's I agree. family and support systems or expectations are different. I mean, as you see, people, we have students in medical school now who frequently have families and raise families while they're going through school, which right. is not something that commonly happened even 10 years ago. So we have to take account of that. And if we want to create good physicians to take care of our patients in the future, put them in environments that they feel strong enough that they can do that. And things that we're doing in our curriculum include we have scheduled time blocked on the calendar where the students are are not scheduled for any learning activities. There's no meetings that they need to be at that they're supposed to be focusing on personal health and wellness. We recognize that's different for all students, but for but we are going to have open space available. We intend to offer some programming in that time about how to be more resilient, about how to interact and provide yourself with some meditation and self-reflection to help improve outcomes. We intend to use that space for people who are more athletically minded or like to do activities like exercise or jogging or yoga to be able to have a space that's sort of dedicated and highlighted in the calendar for that. But even more than that, we are weaving in to the curriculum in this first course, especially in wellness, how not only to reflect on your patient's wellness, but how to reflect on your own. And the students have assignments that are directed towards setting goals, self-reflection, how I can keep myself well. I, I noticed that you didn't leave out faculty, Dean Johnson, in that, in that component. It's how they keep faculty well, mm-hmm. as well exactly. as students and eventually patients. Yeah, so the same, the same thing with the protected time. Uh, there's, uh, that's a, that's yeah. a great term. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that term, protected time. I, I yeah. steal that one. Yeah. From. <laughs> so that protected time, we will not be scheduling any faculty meetings or administrative meetings or, or, or whatever on within that. And that, that, that would allow faculty to participate in wellness activities, to participate in or lead those kind of, those kind of activities. You know, we're, we're building a new building here on, as well for the medical school in Athens. And um, we are seeking not only LEED certification, but WELL certification. There's a new certification that's available that has to do with not only the space, but policies related to wellness. So healthy food that's available, on fitness on space that's available, on meditation space on that's available. On one, one program that we looked at even had a policy on sleep 
on to ensure that their employees <laughs> and their students and uh, well, I guess it was probably employees on uh, uh, had had adequate sleep. I was like, man, that's a that's a policy. I yeah, right. But so what we're trying to do is we're trying to incorporate that into everything we do, not not only the curriculum, but creating space and time. Uh, to be able to do that and an acknowledgement yes yeah that that i think is so important that the student or the faculty doesn't think well i'm losing ground right by by doing this yes yes my competitors are gonna outpace me right whether it's in research or 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 in learning right uh just to incorporate that as part of the overall fabric uh, is is really forward thinking yes. and different. Yes, we, th- we we think so, and we think that it's going to create more resilient physicians on who are, are better able to care for their patients. Happier yeah. physicians. Yeah, happier probably. physicians, and it's really hard to. I think it's really hard to not practice what you preach. Uh, it's pr- pretty tough to tell people to exercise and eat right and get sleep uh, if you're not if you're not doing it yourself uh, as a practitioner. It's the old stereotype of the physician telling somebody to quit smoking is yeah. smoking. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's sort of the right. same, same exactly. model. We'll be back after this message. At the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University, students and faculty aren't just ready for change, they're hungry for it. The Scripps College was awarded $878,000 by the Ohio University Innovation Strategy Program for an immersive media initiative that will allow students to become skilled leaders in immersive media, especially virtual and augmented reality. The college's Game Research and Immersive Design Lab will serve as the hub for the initiative and provide several million dollars worth of gear, processes, intellectual property, award-winning scholars, and partnerships for the project. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. One of the things while I've got you, Dean Johnson, is that you, you talked about in the curriculum uh, a third science. Yes. Talk about that and how that's interwoven and why is that important? First of all, what is it? But right. why, why is that important? Yeah, so traditionally medical school has focused on two sciences, which is basic science and clinical science. And what's emerged over the last, say, five to ten years is the idea that there's a third science. I was originally calling it the science of healthcare delivery, but it's been coined as health system sciences. Uh, and when I, one other element that I asked the faculty to take a look at were things related to health system science. So it goes beyond looking at uh, just taking care of individuals, but how do we take care of populations of people, whether that's our entire practice or the city or the community that we're in. And there are a number of tools uh, and ways to do that. So on uh, population health management, using electronic health records, uh, and a number of other things that kind of sit inside this health system science. It's the idea of studying and furthering the way that we deliver care. How do we integrate care better across the continuum of care? How do we create systems where 
me as a family physician with Jody as an obstetrician are working seamlessly on when I'm sending her a patient or she's sending me back on a patient. And I know that all of us have experienced, you know, every single time we go to a new physician, filling out the same forms, giving the same giving information. Giving the same history and, over and, and, and over. And then yeah. likely also getting testing done again that you've already had. So the health system science as a new science is looking at how do we create um, systems of care delivery that are more integrated, providing a higher level of quality, higher level of satisfaction, and a lower cost for, for patients. So if we, if we just focus on, on, I'm the doctor, you're the patient, and just on that interaction, we miss something. So if we pull back our mind's eye just a little bit and say, okay, I'm taking care of a population of people that have diabetes. How am I doing with all patients that I have that have diabetes? And what can I put in place that will help them broadly? If you pull back even a little bit further, then you can think, what can I do in the community that will really have a major impact on my patients? And it may be things like working with the church or the library or somebody else on, to help with that. So it's really looking at uh, these systems of care all the way out through and into the community. Jody, you talked about uh, there are um, four courses mm -hmm. in this. What are those four courses? Yeah, so the first four courses for the first years of the curriculum are the first is entitled Wellness. So the students focus on patients from a well report approach. The second course in the spring is called Acute Illness. So they address acute problems in patients. Somebody presents in yeah. some way with an acute with problem. With an acute problem. And then the third course is Chronic Illness or Chronic Disease focused. And then the fourth is titled Return to Wellness. And the goal is to help assimilate the information learned about patients with presentation of disease and how to get them back to a well state or what well is for that patient. This may be an off-base question, so forgive me, but mm. uh, do pe people go into medical school saying, I want to be an obstetrician gynecologist. I want to be a heart surgeon. I, I'm sure there are some, but th there are some, I assume, who want to just be in general family mm -hmm. practice, mm -hmm. and I don't mean just in, in oh, a pejorative sure, sure. way, but, but they, they, or they don't know exactly what is going to ring their chime as they're going through their medical education. Uh, does this process and the team approach and the case study, will that help that person focus perhaps? So, I mean, that's the goal. So the goal of a uh, heritage college is to train physicians to become primary care physicians right. to serve in rural and underserved communities in our region, in Ohio specifically. And that's the framework of the curriculum we've developed is to have students be um, drawn to those pathways of practice in the future. Um, I would say the average medical student enters medical school with an idea of what they want to do, and probably half of them follow that path and the other half change their mind. I mean, I can say from personal experience, I entered medical school and I wanted to be a pediatrician, and I changed my mind three or four times before I ultimately settled on the path of obstetrics and gynecology. Um, and, you know, I think that's a general standard student experience. So, but this this constant case study mm -hmm. it seems that that would be more inducive 
to to crystallizing uh, what one is good at or what one likes as opposed to maybe a general lecture hall sure. where you're just yeah. so receiving you like, information. Right. So you're like feeling what the patient experiences. Yeah, that's experience what I'm is. trying yeah, that, to Yeah, exactly. To. And that's the goal. I mean, we uh, medical education all involves clinical experiences as well, and we bring cl- both clinical experiences into the classroom and then put students in the clinical environment, and that can give them a sense. But I think the more we can replicate what patient care is can be like in the classroom type experience, the better sense a student has of what they may be moving moving towards in the future. Because I think that the traditional medical education model always focused on this two plus two, so classroom learning two, right. and then um, clinical learning for the second two years. This is supposed to be more seamless in an approach. And many students after the first two years of medical school walked out in a clinical environment and they really were ill-prepared for what that meant. They were good students. They've been students since they were children, but all of a sudden they've got shoved into an environment where it's very different from a classroom learning experience. It's learning on your feet, learning by, with physical experience. You have to face experience. people. You have yeah. to have communication techniques. Right. Exactly. Right. And so that's what we're really trying to draw back into the earlier years of medical education to better support our students in the future. We've talked about the great impact and the, the sort of revolutionary approach here. Um, I have an academic question. Either one of you can answer it. Uh, I've been an academic administrator over faculty uh, for quite a number of years. Faculty don't always embrace change. Uh, <laughs> and, and if they do, sometimes it's glacial. How, how do you sell this revolutionary approach to your faculty? Well, I think we started by trying to engage faculty. Uh, and bringing, and, yeah, them, and along bringing them in. So, I mean, the team had like a dozen people or so working on it. And then on, as that team continued to evolve on, and eventually becoming the Pathways to Health and Wellness on, you know, kind of committee, on, their goal was to engage as many faculty as possible uh, in the process. But going way back to the beginning, uh, we had to focus a lot on why uh, to start, you know, because faculty would say, we have a good curriculum right now. Why do we need to, uh, you know. We're doing what, really well. Yeah, why yeah, do we uh, need to do something different? And I think the part of the exploration of looking at how fast medicine was changing, we were doing a great job and continue to do a great job. Um, but we were preparing students in a model that um, has, has been disappearing over the last decade. Uh, or so. And actually, I think some some uh, of the why was the demand from the students uh, as well and what they wanted. We, had, we were running two curricular pathways, and the students were actually asking, one was heavy on uh, case-based and one was heavy lecture-based, and the students from both were asking for something more, something different uh, as, as part of that. So I think we started by, uh, by demonstrating the why and then by engaging as many people on as possible. But that doesn't mean that, you know, everybody was on board. It doesn't mean that everybody's still on board <laughs> sure. on with, with that. But, but it'll be a learning process. Yeah, for but we, everyone. you know, I, and I think, you know, Jody did a great job by starting with principles. On, and so that the princi- it was kind of hard to argue the principle of wellness, including wellness for faculty. <laughs> so on, I think the principles were a re- really good place to start. And we just kind of constantly came back to those. Now, this new curriculum going in place in August, you have two new, relatively new facilities. Yes. Uh, one in Dublin in central Ohio, 
uh, with Ohio Health, one at Cleveland with Cleveland Clinic. How does this approach mesh with your satellite education? Well, I, I actually think our satellite education helped drive some of this. Okay. So, so um, we, in partnership with Ohio Health and Cleveland Clinic and then others, uh, we were trying to set up feedback mechanisms on around what's going on in care delivery, how well are we preparing our students, et cetera. And we built very kind of modern, forward-facing uh, facilities. So in both Dublin and Cleveland, we have no traditional lecture halls. We don't, zero. Um, and I think that having those two as kind of like test grounds uh, around on uh, student learning on uh, then I think drove back into the Athens campus and the general overall on uh, program so as we build a new facility on uh, it will mirror more of what we did in Dublin and Cleveland and I think the space that we created and the faculty that we attracted on uh, really kind of helped to helped us to think about evolving our curriculum here. And I, I actually have to say that the, the process went further and faster than I would have expected it uh, to, to go. Uh, and I somewhat expected incremental change on, in the curriculum as opposed oh, to- Oh, let's try yeah, this and yeah. then maybe we'll try that yeah. as opposed to, mm-hmm. yeah. here's the whole package. Yeah, as right? opposed to really exponential change in the, in the <laughs> curriculum. So, and, you know, to comment on the three-campus model that we have, although we have three-campus sites, we, our mission is to treat them all as one campus. So we deliver the same content and curriculum at all sites, and the majority of it is delivered in a video conference fashion and with faculty on different campuses interacting. So not only do students work within their small their groups of teams those teams may be on campus on a specific campus they can work across campuses with video conference technology and our faculty do that too and i think that's something that has helped a little bit with faculty buy-in we've tied those campuses faculty together by having them build these learning activities together so it's not uncommon to have faculty on a faculty member from each campus or from at least two campuses working together to build out the content that well, you anticipated learn. my next question which is the advancement of technology and technology and communication has to be an underpinning uh, of this is that correct absolutely yeah I, I mean we couldn't have the ability to work in a one campus model on three campuses without the use of technology. And as technology is improving, where I think we'll be better integ- able to integrate, and especially when we have a new space in Athens that's able to work in that type right. of fashion, because we still work in a traditional lecture hall space here. This is unique for across the country. Is that what you're telling? Uh, yeah, we don't know of any other program that's doing what we're, that what we're doing here, both with the learning model it's, and it's integration with, you know, kind of the health and wellness focus for, for everybody. How, how, how will you know this is working? Uh, what kind of testing? You've always had, you can't just put something out there and say, oh, it's going to be a success. Uh, you're going to, I assume, fine-tune this along the along the way it's going to be a work in progress even though it's finished in its inception how how do you test something like this 
Well, I, I think it's challenging to look at that because the medical education is such a long process. Right. right? So students spend four years in medical school. Um, it's not a quick turnaround. It's no, no. I think that there's room for some, like, the way that we've been approaching that is that we're starting with, this is, like, the 1.0 version, soon to have an iteration that will oh, um, change throughout. And we're like, and the, the moment to moment getting, it's important to get both faculty and student level feedback of how things seem to be progressing. And then we can, we've taught medical school for a long time. I mean, the medical school curriculum that we deliver now, I don't think is still really kind of ahead of the curve. We're just looking for improvement. So I think we can compare to how our students have performed in the past. We can look to see that the things that we have changed, are they benefited the student or if there's areas and gaps that we um, didn't anticipate that will come up and allow for some iterative curriculum change over those four years. You know, our goal is to train students to be doctors, to be take good care of patients. And I think that that is something that's really hard to visualize at the front end because it takes so long to get there. Dr. Johnson, you, you uh, have a reputation uh, for being an innovator, and this oh. is most assuredly innovative. Thank you. Uh, What's next? I read something in your bio, transformative care continuum. Oh, yeah. So that, it, it, you have something else going on? Yeah, yeah. So, so if this wasn't enough, we, we also created an, a one-of-a-kind, um, this exists nowhere right now, of a, an integrated medical education program from entering medical school. And then everybody has to do a residency program. Right. So uh, I was part of a group on a national think tank thinking about what's the future of medical education. It took us two years thinking through this. And one of the questions that came up very early was, if you were designing this all over again, would you design a period of time where on the medical school period and design it separately from the postgraduate or the residency period of time. And everybody, of course, said, no, you wouldn't do that. So we've designed a program where students enter and are in a six-year, as opposed to it normally takes seven years uh, to complete, six-year program that's integrated from beginning to the end of residency. Uh, it focuses the pathways to health and wellness is the basis of it, uh, but the Third science is heavily emphasized um, within that. The students, when they enter, um, are placed into a um, family health center um, where they will be a resident um, at that time. They get oriented to their patients the day they become a medical student. Um, they're trained in um, the health system science principles, but also heavily um, focused on leadership. And they have a role on the healthcare team the day they walk in the door. So their 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 first year, they're trained as a medical assistant, on uh, or a scribe. Uh, they will in their center, and uh, have a role on the team by greeting patients and getting them ready for the day. And uh, wow. that will progress over time. So by the time they're a third year student, then becoming a resident, that's the period of time where they switch over. They will then be on uh, caring for patients. Uh, and by the time they are in their sixth year, they will be a leader of the healthcare team. It's built into it, so they'll do things like leading the quality committee or, uh, or whatever that is. So we believe that this integrated program from year one to year six is going to produce a better primary care physician on it. They're more prepared. Uh, and the, they start 
learning about their patients the day they become a medical student, and hopefully then they will stay in that system or similar systems to that so that there's no orientation for them. I mean, there's no orientation for them as a resident because they get it when they're a student, uh, and, and then hopefully when they're a practicing physician, they're accelerated in their ability it to care seems, for patients. As a layperson, that just seems far more seamless yes. than the the clunks that we're used to of uh, you know, classroom work, right. uh, intern work, residency work, exactly. and all in different uh, circumstances. That's right. So this 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 curricular pathway does exactly that. It's integrated in two ways. It's integrated longitudinally from beginning to end. And then it's also medical education often, I feel like it is a parallel to care delivery and try to stuff one into the other. It's completely integrated with care delivery on as well. So it's seamless from beginning to end and then all the way, you know, all the way through. Um, we've gotten national attention from, from, on, from this. We're one of 31 schools in the nation that were recognized for uh, innovation, and we'll continue on, on with that. I, I joke around with my dean of uh, the Cleveland campus, who was very instrumental, and this is where it will be tested. Uh, he's gotten uh, more mileage out of a yet-to-have-been-started uh, curriculum <laughs> than anybody uh, in the country. We've been presenting it uh, all over the country. We That's just recently great. got a Macy Foundation grant uh, to help help support it. On uh, and I am so proud of both of these on uh, uh, things. And I think the end result of both of them it will change the way we think about educating physicians. Wonderful. Thank you both for talking with me and I hope to have you back when we can uh, look at how all this has worked out. Oh, we'd love to come back and yeah, talk more so about much. the success. Today we've been talking with Dr. Kenneth Johnson and Dr. Jody Jerome from the Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine at Ohio University. We've talked to them about a new revolutionary curriculum change in medical education. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. Please subscribe to Spectrum at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or at NPR One. Spectrum also is available at the NPR Podcast Directory. We welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, please direct them to me by email. You can do that at hudson at ohio.edu.